Every week on Sunday morning, at least every week that I'm preaching, and even the weeks that I'm not preaching, I get up early on Sunday morning, and I come and have my morning uh, time of meditation and sit, and then I open up the scripture uh, as a part of my preparation for this time with you, and I look at the text that I am preaching uh, about that week. This week, uh, Ephesians 4. Only a funny thing happened on the way to Ephesians 4 this week, and that is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Uh, because this morning at 5.30, I was sitting with the text and I was thinking, oh, there's a little section in chapter 3 that I can use as my centering moment at the beginning of worship. And then I read it. Then I read it again. And then I read it again. And then it's like, oh no, please, no, I don't want to change. I've spent the week preparing for Ephesians 4. I'm ready for Ephesians 4. Let's do Ephesians 4. No, we're not doing Ephesians 4 this morning. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's called Ephesians part three, and I made a big deal of saying it may be part three, but we're looking at chapter four, and we're not. You can look at chapter four all you want to. I am going to look at chapter three today because I found in it something that I felt was profound. At least this morning at 530 uh, until about 715 when I stopped to bake bread, uh, I found this profound section that just kind of kept writing and writing and writing and I filled pages of my journal and I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. This lays a foundation for chapter four. It's an important foundation. Let's go there. So if you have your Bible and you want to read along or if you want to go to Bible Gateway uh, on the internet, you can look that up uh, or any other online Bible, you can read along with me. I will be reading Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Not my planned reading for the day, I will say it one more time, but the reading that ended up being the reading for today. Here is what Paul says as he's writing to the Ephesians. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, this was the reading for this morning, now that I've made it so. Thanks be to God. As I was sitting this morning, 
uh, looking at chapter 4, spending time with chapter 4, it occurred to me that the very foundation for all that we are and all that we do is love. I say it all the time. I say it to you. Usually at the opening moment, the centering moment at the beginning, I remind you that you're infinitely precious and unconditionally loved, that you yourself are enough, and I know that you are because God made you to be you, and that you're accepted as that person, no matter what. God loves you. God loves me. Those are important things. But I began to think a little bit about love and about how so often we wonder what love is. We, we wonder what it looks like. We hear that word a lot. And, you know, at one time I told you, you really can't love your car, that you can't love the grass, that you can't love... Yes, you can. I was wrong. When I told you that years ago, you can love, you can love anything. Love is that connective tissue of the universe. It is what holds the whole thing together. It is God's spirit. It's another name for God's spirit because God is love. Not God has love, but God is love. We affirm that over and over and over again in all that we do. So I thought we'd break this apart for just a moment and take a look for some hints about love. So for me, uh, Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus as he writes, and he says, you, may you be strengthened in your inner being with power through the Spirit. Now I thought, wow, power. You know, we often think of power like to, you know, maybe that's the power. If we are really strengthened by the Spirit, we can literally move mountains or bring clouds in or send clouds away or stop the rain or make the sun come up. And I don't think that's what power is because you see what power really is. And it comes on to talk about it. Power through His Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. That's the foundation of everything. That is the thing out of which God creates the entire universe. It is love. It is the foundational principle. It is the blueprint. It is what makes God God. It is God's power. God's connection to us is love. And we are reflections and mirrors of God's love, but not love in general. Now, here's the challenge that we all have, is we talk about love as if it's something very general, very broad, that you can know simply by talking about it. You know, I, I was listening before worship began today, while James was practicing something else, some of the beautiful music that he played for us, I was listening to Extreme more than words. Uh, if you don't know the group Extreme uh, or the song More Than Words, you know, it's a song, it's, it's one of their ballady, less heavy rock songs. Uh, it's one of their ballady songs where they ask the question, what if we took those words away, I love you? How would I ever know? What if my heart were torn in two? How would I know that you love me besides you saying, I love you? Where would I see that? 
And this is what makes us Christian. We serve a scandalously particular God. The only way you will ever know love is in its particular forms. Not as some kind of broad thing that you could just wrap your arms around. Because you can't wrap your arms around love. But you can wrap your arms around a person. Or a dog. Or a cat. Or a blade of grass. Or a rock. Or even your car. When we baptized... Last week, Galen, after the service, I got this really special gift. You know, pastors get all these gifts all the time. It's just all these wonderful gifts. I got to hold Galen for a moment. Now, because Galen has been hearing me for nine months in utero, the funny thing was, as I talked to him, he just looked at me like, I think I know you. I think I know you. And I looked back at him, and I realized I knew him. And in that particular moment, what passed between us was love. It wasn't about loving Galen as an idea. It was about loving Galen in my arms. I could feel him against my arms. I could see his totally cool hat and his eyes as he intensely looked into my eyes. Now, whether or not he can see, because he's very young, I don't know how much babies can see, and if it's all in black and white, and he didn't. It, I pretty much wear black and white, so uh, there you go. Uh, but whatever it was in that moment, I experienced the particularity of love. Now, as you know, if you've been following along, I've also discovered the particularity of love for my wife, Linda, at an even deeper level. We've been married for 29 and almost a half years. Uh, August will make 29 and a half. August the 4th. Um, but during these last few months, during her hospitalization and then coming home and recovering at home, and my getting to spend very intensive times with her, I have discovered a new and deeper sense of love. I don't just love Linda in general, I love Linda in particular. And you know what? I know she loves me. And it's not a head thing. It's a heart thing. And you might say, James, it's a head thing and you're just putting it in the middle of your chest. It's a hard thing. There is something I cannot explain that is beyond words that connects me to Linda in ways I did not imagine. When we go for walks on the days that she's feeling well, and I am her walker, which is to say she holds my hand, when she reaches over and grabs my hand, and depending upon what day it is and whether it's the left hand or the right hand that's hurting more, I walk on whichever side is hurting less. When she reaches over and grabs my hand, I feel love. I know love. Now, you see, 
this writing goes on to warn us about love because it's something, something we need to hear. And this part I actually underlined in my own Bible. I wish I had underlined the whole thing, but then, of course, when you underline the whole Bible, then you, you can't find anything because the whole thing's underlined anyway. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. You know, I don't want to ever denigrate because, you know, part of the big Protestant Reformation, and who really cares, but the Protestant Reformation, of which we're a part, a later part, down the road, we Methodists, was all about the intellect. It was all about reading the Bible, scholarly ways, connecting to it at the deepest level, and being focused. And it was, beyond a feeling, an intellectual exercise. And particularly since the Enlightenment, that's what it's been all about. And I will tell you, you can know things about God. An infinitesimally small part of God you can know with your mind. But God's love is beyond your comprehension with your head. You can engage your intellect all you want to and you will never understand it. I spent an entire paragraph, and my paragraphs are long. If you look at my journal, you think, he needs to go back to the English class because that boy doesn't understand that a paragraph is like this long, not three pages. But sometimes I get into a paragraph and it just keeps going on. I spent an entire paragraph this morning debating if it, that this new direction of the sermon was a gift. I felt like it was a gift. It, it just opened my eyes. Suddenly it was like, wow, you can't love so much in general. It's always scandalously particular. It's always one-on-one. -on -one. It's always one-on-one. -on -one. When God loves me, God is loving me and everyone else. But particularly at a moment, at any given moment, it's only in the particularity that me and my finitude can know the infinite love of God, the breadth and length and depth and height. It's the only way I can do it. And it is beyond, it surpasses knowledge. It surpasses what this brain can hold. Yes, you can learn every word in this book. Do you want me to recite 1 Corinthians 13 to you? If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I am a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the power of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such faith that I can speak and move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. And it goes on like that. Who cares what you know? It's who you love. It's love that says who you are. It's not how much you know or how little you know. You know, I've spent time with biblical scholars who seemed sometimes to have forgotten that the whole thing's about love to begin with. And then I've spent time with average everyday people who seem to think it's all about love. <laughs> you know, even Stephen Curtis Chapman, it's all about love, 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 love. 
Look at that. After the it's all about, then he says like love 95 times. It drives home the point. In the end, knowing God is not a head thing. I don't want to denigrate the, the knowledge and the learning that you might do. After all, I have an undergraduate degree in religious studies, and I have a graduate degree in divinity. Do you notice that glow on me? Divine glow? Divinity. I'm a master of it. But in the end, all that knowledge and all that learning only takes you so far. You have to fall into the endless abyss of love. And you discover there is no breadth and depth and height and length that could possibly measure love because it's infinite. It's unconditional. But the only way you will learn to do it is in the particular. One person. Early on, I was reading Richard Rohr before I, you know, I went to study with him and, and the rest of the core faculty. And in one of his writings, he says, you know, he learned from one of his teachers that before you could ever really love anyone or God, you had to learn to love a rock. And I thought, man, this is, the, this is Franciscan theology for you right here, hooey. You know, it's all about the birds and the grass and the, you know, sister moon and brother sun and all of that good kind of stuff. And it was lost. Richard's absolutely right. I now know it. In my, my mind wanted to poo-poo it. My mind wanted to poo-poo it. But the truth is we learn to love in the particular. Today happens to be a Hallmark holiday. Father's Day. We celebrate those who have fathered us, who have been our fathers, who have uh, created for us an envision of ourselves and who have uh, been a part of making us who we are. Sometimes in opposition to them, I've talked to plenty of people who whose struggle to call God father is the fact that they had terrible fathers. See, it's never been an issue for me. I have a wonderful father, wonderful father, who embodies love in his own quiet way. And I celebrate that. I learned a lot about love from the way my daddy looked at me, from the way my daddy held me, from my, the way my daddy let me wear my overalls, my John Deere overalls, and go to work with him on, uh, on stuff in the basement. Well, we didn't have a basement. It was under the house, in the crawl space, and in the utility room. And I'd have my own tool, though I, God knows, you know, at that size, I probably, it's good I didn't really, couldn't reach some of the things daddy was working on. But you see, we learn love in particular ways, from a particular person. And if we're very fortunate in our lives, 
we experience that love and get to practice that love on lots of particular people. That's why when Hannah and Josh ever argued, as particularly when they were young, they don't argue anymore about this, at least not when I'm around, about which one of them I love more. It's, it's not possible for me to love one more than the other because I love them so different. I love the particularity of Hannah. I love the particularity of Joshua. I love the particularity of Linda, the particularity of James and Mark and Mark and Joy who are in the room. I love the particularity of them, not in general. We learn to love in particular. So here's my challenge to you. I'd like you to make a list of the people that you love, that you really love in particular. It doesn't have to be a long list. I'm not saying it has to be exhaustive or 75 pages long. It might not even be seven lines long. But then on the other side, I'd like you to make a list of the people you feel like you don't love, that you know but don't love. Because According to 1 John, I don't like to jump around in the Bible, but according to 1 John, if we say that we love God and we don't love our neighbor, any one of them, we're lying to ourselves. Love is something we learn to do in particular, including the people that are hardest to love in our lives. I want to challenge us as a community of faith and as individuals within it that are particular to love. To love the lovable, the ones that are easy to love. You know, it's really easy for me to love Linda. It was really easy for me to love Galen because before he started to cry or needed a diaper change, I could hand him right back to mom and dad. It was really easy for a moment of holding Galen to love him. And I could love him even if I had to change his diapers and hear him cry and try to comfort him, those kinds of things. We love in particular practice. Practice. It doesn't good to say, I love everybody. You know, more than words. Extreme got it right on that one. If you take those words away, how will people know, really know, that you love? For St. James, it's the West End Food Pantry and the volunteers that meet people face to face. It's the stream. We do that because we love people and we want them to know and be connected even wherever they are. Keep those things in mind and practice your love this week. Practice. Not in your mind, I love you, I love you. In person, in ways, in a phone call, in an email, in a conversation. Practice love. It's the simple things. But it is the root and ground of all that we are. It's love. 